When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Army and fellow music fans, I'm Kayla. And I'm Bethany, and we're the hosts of Standing BTS from the Consequence Podcast Network. We're a bi-weekly show that covers the impact and legacy of K-pop group BTS. We mix the perfect blend of research and fangirl as we take a deep dive into lyrics during album reviews, theorize over music videos, and keep up with their current events. No BTS topic is off limits. We welcome everyone into the conversation, whether you're a casual fan, committed ARMY, or someone who's just curious about one of the biggest music groups in the world. Come chat with us every other Thursday with a new episode wherever podcasts are found. Hello, and welcome to the Spark Parade, where I geek out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration. I'm Adam Unz, at Spark Parade on all social media. Thanks so much for joining me. I am back from my little break and feeling very refreshed. I hope you had a nice relaxing week too. So let's get back to work. This week, my guest is the absolutely lovely musician James Felice of the Felice Brothers, and he spoke to me about his spark, Randy Newman's classic album, Sail Away. This one was such a joy. James is such a sweet guy, super easy to talk to, super engaged, so yeah. Guests like him make my job very easy and very fun. So let's get cracking, eh? Uh, quick James facts. James Felice is a multi-instrumentalist and vocalist who records music with his brother Ian as the Felice Brothers. The band also includes bassist Jessica Hume and drummer Will Lawrence. A folk Americana rock country band with deep roots in varied genres, the Felice Brothers are what Rolling Stone lauds as musicians' musicians and poets, seamlessly interweaving bizarre catalogs of literary and pop culture references with vivid portrayals of life and its kaleidoscope of tragedies and hopes. Their lyrics and dazzling musical accompaniment not only sound good, but demand introspection. The Felice Brothers' eighth studio album, From Dreams to Dust, is out this Friday, September 17th. Quick Sail Away facts. Sail Away is an album by singer and musician Randy Newman that was released in May of 1972. It includes several songs written by Newman that were also recorded by other artists, including You Can Leave Your Hat On, which was later recorded by Joe Cocker and Tom Jones. Sail Away was included in Rolling Stone's Top 500 Albums of All Time and has been cited as a major influence on artists like the Beach Boys' Brian Wilson. And there you have it. Let's jump ahead to the main event. Here comes my chat with James Felice about Sail Away. Uh, so the first question is always, do you remember hearing this album for the first time or becoming aware of it? I do, actually. I remember my older brother, Ian, showed it to me. Ian, who's in the band with me. Mm -hmm. uh, he's like three years older than me. And I knew about Randy from Toy Story, which yeah. I saw when I was like 10, when it came out. Right. It came out in 95. <laughs> yeah, so I was 10. And I remember loving it, and I was a kid, and I loved that movie so much, and, and then I forgot about it, and then Ian was like, dude, this record's amazing. He, we, he had it on a CD, 
I was like the Toy Story guy. I was probably like 13 or 14 at the time, or maybe mm. a little bit. Of, yeah, I was probably like 14 or 15. And um, he put on the first song, and I was like, oh my God, this is so good. This is exactly what I needed to hear in my life at this time. So I was a pretty cool 14 or 15 year old, I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, there's so much stuff here, but like, I think uh, talking about Toy Story. I mean, you can you can feel listening to his other albums, the other work that he's done, exactly why he was chosen for those movies. Um, and it's just like this often kind of a bit like melancholic, very mm. sweet, like just makes you nostalgic for things. Even if you're not quite listening to the lyrics, it's just like yes. he has this sense about him that he feels mm. like, you know, somebody who makes you feel stuff but also makes you feel safe and just his his voice is really comforting and he has this kind of conversational way of singing that just yeah it, it totally makes sense especially given how like heart-wrenching the toy story movies can be as well <laughs> but it's like yeah it, it really really fits but also i i talk to people quite a bit about like you know the the relationship that they have with their older siblings turning them on to stuff and how big a part that is in in a lot of people's development like my oldest sister is eight years older than me and so mm. it was like i know for sure that tons of stuff that i was introduced to because of her i don't know how long it would have taken me to figure it out um without her but um yeah. i think having older siblings is a, a huge asset <laughs> yeah well i have two older brothers and an older sister and mm. my oldest brother simon is also eight years older than me mm. and so between him and ian I, yeah you know my first i remember simon my oldest brother gave me a tape of like neil young like harvest mm. that he had taped like you know just um it dubbed you know and uh Got me to Bruce Springsteen. Actually, honestly, like all the music I liked growing up, I think I got from them. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think they completely informed my my uh, my taste. Yeah, which is awesome. I, I I would never have found that music otherwise. Kind of grew up listening to classic rock with my folks. So, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so are you the baby? No, there's actually seven of us total. Whoa. So I'm in the middle. Right. And I've tried to export my musical knowledge to my little siblings but i don't know yeah. if I, maybe they don't listen quite as well but yeah. they have their own tastes i guess right right i'm sure you know somehow uh you have infused a little bit of your your knowledge into them even if they're not uh you know showing it as much <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but exactly um yeah that that experience and also through uh your parents, I mean, you know, even if they were introducing you to music that was different to this, it is, at least for me and for a lot of people I know, it's like the foundation that you build your own taste on. And then you have different experiences, you meet other people who turn you on to other stuff and, you know, you broaden your horizons or maybe shift gears entirely. Right. But um, it, it is that kind of formative experience of having this music in your life from when you're a little kid that it really sticks with you. Absolutely. And I had a sort of an unusual upbringing where I was homeschooled for like a lot of my younger years mm. living in the woods in the middle of nowhere. So I didn't really have peers to inform my musical taste or bounce things off of. So I didn't grow like, you know, I, I was born in 85. So the music that like the people my age grew up listening to is not really what I did. Right. Um, I had sort of a different trajectory because of that which is interesting because I, I feel sort of alienated sometimes when all my friends are talking about just singing some, some song comes on the radio they're all singing along I'm like ah shit I don't know this song at all 
Right. Yeah. Um, but I think for anyone, unless you're, you know, a really switched on kid who has uh, an encyclopedic uh, encyclopedic knowledge of all, you know, music in the world and musical genres, there's still going to be gaps in your knowledge, no matter who you are. Sure. Um, and also, I think growing up pre-internet, or at least, you know, starting your life pre-internet, it was a lot harder to figure those things out for yourself if you didn't have access to them through friends or through school or yeah. whatever. So, um, yeah, that was a, obviously another barrier. So don't oh, be too yeah. hard on yourself. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I shouldn't be too hard on myself. Yeah, I remember being at like, what was it, Sam Goody? Oh, God. Yeah. Having like the, it was like 20 bucks for a CD back then. Which right. So much money, especially like, you know, 1998. And not knowing what to get. And even like being influenced by the cover and stuff, like just stuff that I guess I wouldn't even think about now that everything's on the internet. But yeah, and being so bummed when I bought a CD that sucked. Yeah, that had like one song on. Yeah, yeah. I can remember there were specific record stores that I knew they had good like listening stations where I'd mm. be able to test things out. But there was always that thing. I used to buy a lot of used CDs as well. And so mm -hmm. it was like, I'll just try this. And it's a crapshoot. You know, sometimes right. you get something good and sometimes it's like, ugh, just throw this over your shoulder and <laughs> not ever listen to it again. Well, yeah, there's always those bins of like dollar CDs at like the local record store dollar for a cd which seemed crazy at the time because yeah a new cd was 20 bucks so you could get 21 dollar cds and holy crap every once in a while i'd get something good but man that was it was pretty bleak in there yeah yeah i used to work as a bus boy in high school and i got a bunch of cash tips and so i'd take all those tips and just buy shit tons of cds and it got to a stage when i was in you know like my my mid-20s where it was this huge burden every time that i moved to a different <laughs> apartment i'd have to move like a thousand cds and i kind of got wow. to a point where i was just like put them all in books and you know yep. like have little sleeves for them and get rid of the cases and now they're and all now, worthless <laughs> completely worthless a total burden do you still have them somewhere in like a basement i have them there in like a kind of storage box under my bed but um I don't have a CD player anymore. I don't have a CD drive in my computer. There's just yep. like nothing. Um, so even if I wanted, you know, there are some of them that I haven't put into my like digitized in any way. Right. And if I want to do that, I have to like go to an antique store and buy a CD player. We're <laughs> <laughs> going to car, going to car that was built in like the early 2000s. You right. still have CD players at that point, right? Yeah, I think my, yeah. That's the only place I listen to CDs is in my car. And even then, I don't even do it that much. It's And it's funny because, you know, we, we're putting out a record in a few weeks and we're printing up CDs because mm. I guess you're supposed to, but it, who the hell is going to even listen to them? I don't even know. Yeah. Somebody will. Yeah. I think, you know, there is a little bit of fetishization that goes on. I mean, you know, like definitely with vinyl, but um, sure. with other formats too. I know a lot of people who've released... Uh, promotional cassettes which is mm -hmm. like that's even more of a you know um extinct format <laughs> so, sure um yeah but i think you know i think people like the novelty as well so of course yeah, like and buying stuff something at a show is nice and i mean having it in your car yeah Just spilling coffee all over it yeah yeah <laughs> having it turn on every time you turn your car on it's pretty fun yeah exactly um but so again just uh talking about this album do you, do you remember it being like this moment of feeling like this was going to open a door into that world? Because, you know, obviously Randy Newman is 
in addition to be some, being someone who writes great music and has done soundtracks and been involved in all kinds of films, he is prolific. He has tons yeah. of music available. So he sure does. He, you know, I, I, I've always loved growing up um, film scores and even like classical music. I always felt really like a lot of affinity toward that kind of music and also toward like simple singer songwriter music old country music there was like that cross and i feel like randy sort of bridged that where his songs are so well written musically they're mm -hmm. so lush they're orchestrated by him they're the, the chord changes and the the way that the, the songs are arranged are, are fascinating and cinema and they would work without any lyrics at all they're just beautiful little pieces of music and but right. then on top of that he is an amazing writer um and not in like a he's not poetic he's not he's like there's no like adjectives in any of his songs uh he's just a great i guess he's a great storyteller in like that mm -hmm. sort of country tradition and the most remarkable thing when i'm listening to that record over and over again i didn't, didn't click with me but every song is from a different perspective which i thought was so i just had never thought about that before like from the first every single song is he's inhabiting a character that he's invented and that you're spending and these are short songs, very uh, two and a half minute songs. You're spending two and a half minutes with a character who he invented, he sketched, and you feel, I feel so invested and I feel so emotionally invested in that person's perspective in a way that I think is so, is, is really incredible. One of the things that he does incredibly well. Um, and I think that's maybe also why he, he is so good at like the Toy Story movies and Disney mm -hmm. movies because he can assume the perspective of the character in the film or even the child that's watching the movie in a way right. that I think a lot of songwriters can't or won't do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's something very empathetic about the way that he writes that it's like it, it, he really, as you said, is capable of like uh, projecting his songwriting into uh, uh tons of different perspectives and also yes. such clear storytelling that it's you know there are a lot of songs that i mean all songs are about something right um but you know the artist's intention and what you hear are not always quite connected and with this it's like so clear and um it really does feel like having somebody tell you an actual story, not a song. Um, yeah. And it's as very, you oh, go ahead. No, I'm just saying it's just so down to earth mm. to his stories. There's just, there's no poetic language, which mm -hmm. is, I mean, I love, I mean, I love Leonard Cohen as another, like one of my favorite writers and that's like all poetry and it's so breathtakingly beautiful. Certain lines that he writes will just knock you on your ass, but Randy doesn't really do that. He, mm. he, he doesn't, his, his song are conversational, I guess is a way to say it. And, and, and because of that, they're, they have a certain humility to them, which I think is actually really brave and self-effacing. Mm -hmm. you know, another thing that makes him such a great songwriter is he never really tries to impress you with his verbiage, I mm -hmm. guess. Yeah. And I, and I find that really lovely. Yeah. And it, all of that stuff, it's like uh, accessible without feeling like you're being talked down to, like he's mm -hmm. simplifying things for you. And the the way that the music is written, the lyrics, all of those things are like, there's no fat 
it's tight without being spare. It still feels like uh, something that's very full and lush, but it's so simple. It's just, you know, it's the, the production, everything about it is like getting rid of all of the bells and whistles that he doesn't need. Doesn't need it. There's yeah. And that is a really good way to put it. They are, they're lush, beautiful songs. They create whole worlds, but they're so well written. They're so tight that you can get in and out of there. And like literally like most of his songs are like pretty short, two and a half minutes long. Right. Um, and especially on sail away, I just listened to it this morning. Yeah. There's no superfluous. There's no solos. There's like barely any introductions to any of the songs and he just starts and, but, and yet you are there with him and whatever the perspective is, you can, you know, an exasperated father in one song or like a slave trader in one song or, god in the last song whatever it is it, you're there you're right there with him and it's and i've always been so intrigued by that ability um and that's what great songwriters and storytellers can do i guess is with a very small amount of time and a limited number of words create an entire world for you to just sort of fall into yeah and it you know it shows in the amount of success he had has had um how well he connects with people and, you know, it's not just the Toy Story movies. He's been really prolific with film scoring and um, soundtracking. And, like, he's been nominated across all of the different kind of categories, like, 90-something times for oh, Academy really? Awards. Like, crazy <laughs> amount of times. And 22 in the main awards section. And he's won Grammys. And, yeah, yeah. yeah all, all of this stuff. So... Highly decorated. Um, He's highly you know. decorated. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. He, he, you'd think that, I guess because his style is so unique to him, and it's also, if you don't listen for it, it can seem silly. Like, the way he sings is kind of weird, and it's pretty easy to parody something like that. So when I, I always go off on Ray Newman, I talk <laughs> to my friends about him all the time, like, oh, it's, he's not very. He's not like as accessible in a, in a funny way. I guess for like adult, serious music listeners, as mm-hmm. maybe like you know Bob Dylan is or Paul Simon is. I don't know why that is, but yeah, he seems a little bit tougher for some people to get into his stuff. And he yeah. also admittedly has some pretty, pretty bad records too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think he's written some of the best ever, and he's also written some that are just like, what the hell are you doing there, buddy? But you know what? We all, you know, he lived through the '80s, and I didn't, so. Yeah. And I think when somebody has put out as much music as he has, it's like, you know, people like Dolly Parton or Willie Nelson or Bob Dylan, where it's like these absolutely unfathomably huge careers where they're just like churning out new, you know, people who are just need to produce music and they never stop. And it's like, of course, the quality is not going to be consistent across their entire career and there's going to be some albums that are total classics and some (laughs) that are stinkers but um i think you know the ones that that uh shine through and uh have have really affected people there's tons of those and there's enough of those to really cement his his legacy agreed agreed yeah so after getting into this album was it did you start investigating his other stuff too or um yeah i yeah. did i i you know i managed to get a few of his cds or maybe i i might have like taped that cd to a tape or something like that i remember i think i had sail away on tape for my cassette player and then good old boys which was his fa- the next record which was mm-hmm. 74 which is probably even a better record in sometimes in some ways um i became completely obsessed with that 
mm. record. And I, I just get upset. I get like I, I you know, I've listened to Sail Away and Good Old Boys and, and Little Criminals, which is the one after that, dozens, dozens, dozens of times. Probably way too many times. Uh maybe burnt myself out on it, and then I'll stop and I'll listen to them again. So those three records mainly I don't, yeah, I don't know what the hell it is about him and I <laughs> I just I just love the way he wrote especially like from like 1970 to 1976 or 78. Mm-hmm. He's just so good. Yeah. I just love I love experiencing. I love luxuriating in in things of extraordinary quality, mm-hmm. you know? Like whatever it is, like just sitting down and watching The Godfather or Listening to that or listening to Beethoven, whatever it is, like things that are indisputable masterpieces to me is mm-hmm. so nice because I don't have to, I, I, it's just so nice to be held mm-hmm. by like a genius. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And not ever have to worry like, is this good? Like I never ever have to question that in my mind. Like, is this actually good? Right. Um, and I love that feeling actually. Yeah. It's, it is really comforting and it's a relief when you know that something is that there's no um debate about the mm-hmm. quality and um yeah it's like you said it's it's relaxing it means that you can just like sit back and l- let it do its thing um and that's kind of what i think all artists aspire to is making work that everybody can agree is is fantastic um yeah, I guess so. Or I guess, but at the same time, if everybody loves it, I, I, I guess I'll withstand this test of time, right? We don't know if what's coming out today, what record came out last week, will be remembered as, as a classic in 50 years. But we can, we have the benefit of hindsight and be like, okay, Moby Dick, we've figured out that that's one of the greatest novels of all time. That's not going to change. Mm-hmm. You read it and and just be, be bowled over by it. Don't worry whether or not it's good because we've already decided that yeah and I, I yeah there's something about that that really appeals to me yeah i that is a good point that it's like taste is subjective you know it's not going to be sure. like this is a classic that everyone in the entire world agrees that it is a classic and also just you know as you were saying the sound of his voice the way that he sings can be divisive it's not sure. necessarily something that people are going to immediately warm to and it is very yeah. specific his sound yes. is like you know easily identifiable you know that that is him from the second he sings mm-hmm. um so yeah it's I, I guess it's more like finding those pieces of art that make you feel like that and it doesn't really matter how anybody else feels about it that for you it's a classic for you it's you know this you get that relaxed feeling because it's exactly aligned with your taste and um you know makes you feel like it's it's something that uh you know can't be compared to anything else yeah i guess that's a good way to put it it's for me it's indisputably perfect Mm -hmm. i I can't really be convinced otherwise so when i listen to it i just all I can do is be amazed and and be inspired. Right. And I, yeah, it's it's a, it's a it is a, it's cool. It's a cool way to try to approach art. I'm not like a critical. I mean, I guess I do. Have, I mean, we all are critical people and trying to poke holes and things and decide if it's good and if do we like it and are other people going to judge us for liking it or disliking it? And there's there's always those, especially with music for some reason. Right. You know, a song comes on the radio. If anybody listens to the radio and for me, sometimes I have to be like, do I like this? If I say this is awesome and it turns out to be some lame band that everybody hates, what what does that say about me? Right. Um, so there is that sort of vulnerability 
Mm-hmm. For some reason, especially with, with music, at least for me. I mean, yeah. Growing up and having people say like, "Ooh, that sucks, bro." I that. <laughs> right. Man, and I, shit. yeah, yeah. I guess that leads to the concept of like guilty pleasures. Um, right. You know, having this idea that there's your public facing taste, the things that you you know are proud to love, yes. and then there can be other things where you're like. I don't know how anybody would feel about it if I told them that I am really into this. Um, but you know, I think with age as well, at least for me, I'm less worried about, um, what other people think about the things that I like when I was a kid. Definitely. It was like, Oh God, I can't say this. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Another thing, just thinking, you know, you saying there's that sweet spot, that kind of seventies sweet spot where he was producing all these albums that you really love. I think that's another thing with artists who have these gigantic world dominating careers that in addition to having specific albums that end up being classic, there, there tends to be these like bursts of creativity where people are really producing their best work Mm. and i think you know he kind of went from that and did a bit of a pivot where he started getting the most acclaim for making music for movies um and in a way that's kind of similar to like elton john in the 90s you know uh as his musical career was not on the wane but it was like he wasn't making albums that were really in the charts anymore and um, then, you know, the Lion King comes along and he wins an Oscar and has huge success with that. Uh, yeah, the, right. So that was sort of his resurgence in a way. Like he, yeah. Because he was, when it like Tumbleweed Connection, that was like his first big record, right? That was like in the mid 70s. Yeah, yeah. A long, long time before. I think, you know, he had pretty good longevity. Like even in the 80s, he was making big pop hits. He was making some hits, um, right? Yeah. But the Lion King is what really shot him to the moon. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, huh. yeah. I think about that. But yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And then, you know, that show moving to Broadway, I think he's made quite a, a decent amount of money off of that. I hope so. I hope Elton John's got like a ton of money and he's happy. <laughs> yeah. Like he deserves it. I have a sneaking suspicion that he is, he's <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to stay up tonight worrying Elton John's financial situation is stable. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I think... Um, I, I think we don't need to worry about him. I hope, I hope so. Who knows? <laughs> hope so. But um, from the outside, it appears that he's doing all right. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think whether, um, you know, I, I think Randy Newman has still produced tons of albums that have nothing to do with movies. And, you know, regardless of whether the quality has been exactly what it was at his peak, He's still making music that people love. He's still making music that people oh, yeah. can appreciate. And, you know, again, if, if there is variable quality, it's I think people get judged on their entire body of work and also on the effect that they've had on art and on the world and on you know music. Um, and I think the results are, are pretty clear with him. For sure. And when I say he's made some dud records, I what I really mean is to say is that cer- certain songs on a lot of his records just don't connect to me at all for whatever mm-hmm. reason and in like in sort of the polar opposite way that some that and maybe i have this relationship with other artists too is that they either hit me directly or i feel almost repelled by them mm-hmm. i don't know what that is or why that is but that's just sort of what i meant he's he, sort of stupid to call a record bad that he made because 
I don't know. I never made a record that's as good as his worst one, probably. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's yeah, amazing longevity, incredibly talented. Just he's a composer too. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. won Oscars for composing beautiful, like The Natural. He wrote the score mm-hmm. to The Natural. It's classic. Yeah. And this amazing songwriter, and yes, and Sail Away just just grabbed me right, just grabbed me right away as soon as the first in America. Yeah, get food to eat. I was like, oh my god, it's perfect. The yeah. perfect song. It's two minutes and 27 seconds long or whatever. It's so good. Yeah. And just that, the kind of easy quality in his voice, it looks, he looks like somebody who's just a very, you know, chilled out dude, somebody who <laughs> yeah. you want to hang out with. And, you know, especially his, as he's gotten older, just like Hawaiian shirts, just <laughs> like, you know, really just being himself and not yeah. really caring too much about what other people think about exactly. it. Exactly. And a lovely sense of humor. And that's one of the mm-hmm. other incredible things about his songs is that often they're like laugh out loud funny for whatever yeah. reason. And that's, that's hard to do. Right. Yeah. Uh, and you can laugh and cry in the same song a lot of the times. And his delivery is so good. It's so laid back that a different, a lesser musician would write a song like that sail away but sing it way straighter and it would not be nearly as good the fact that he's just sort of like throwing it off he's got a beautiful voice but there's no flourishing there's nothing croonerish about it it's just its own unique weird thing that he does yeah um and it's the same thing it's also like to me humble mm-hmm. a little tiny bit silly in a way that's really engaging to me yeah just like no um, you know, again, like not no bells and whistles and no pretense. It's just mm-hmm. like it feels very genuine. And yeah. Yeah. And yet it is very written, too. And mm-hmm. that's the other thing about it, right? The, the, you know, he's got a whole orchestra in there and it's very well composed. And it's obviously like the, all his piano parts are really written, intricate, beautiful pieces of music. Yeah. So he obviously puts an absolute shit ton of work in all these songs. And yet. They feel effortless and inviting, and that's, of course, an enviable talent to have. Yeah, yeah. What, what more could you ask for? Indeed. <laughs> um, I think that is a lovely note on which to finish. Um, this has been a true pleasure. Um, th- thank you so much uh, for being so gracious with your time, and um, uh, this was this was really fun. Great. Well, hope to talk again soon. Yeah. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. What a great guy. A true gent. And he might even have a better voice for podcasting than I do. So uh, thanks again to James for joining me. The new Felice Brothers album from Dreams to Dust is available this coming Friday, September 17th, and you should stream and download it. Maybe not at the same time, but uh, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. Okay. Uh, Quick inspirational work of the week from me, American Rust is a new limited series on Showtime, and I am digging it so far. It stars Maura Tierney, who I fucking love, and Jeff Daniels, who I like a lot. It is a Rust Belt mystery in the vein of Mare of Easttown, although, full disclosure, it's not as good as Mare of Easttown. But uh, if you need to fill the hole in your heart that developed when Mare of Easttown finished, this ought to do the trick. And that's pretty much it. I will be back again this Friday with a very special bonus episode for you that I think you'll enjoy. In fact, fuck that. I know you'll really enjoy it. So uh, I'll be back with you in just a couple of days. Until then, don't go walking alone in the woods at night. 
take care of yourself and your loved ones. And until next time, bye. Hey there, Robo fans and Dino fans. Do you like science fiction? Do you like movies about robots and dinosaurs? Do you like podcasts that explore sci-fi philosophy through a fun and positive lens? Then you are going to love Robots vs. Dinosaurs. Every week, your host, Louis G, invites a guest onto the show to talk about one of their favorite sci-fi movies. It's a Robocast. It's a Dinocast. It's a battle for ultimate awesomeness in science fiction pop culture. Subscribe to Robots vs. Dinosaurs on Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes every Friday. Follow us on Instagram at RobosVDinos or Twitter at VsRobots. That is at VsRobots. Thanks for listening to the Apocalypse Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, go to ApocalyptsePodcastNetwork.com. And remember, every time you support one of our sponsors, you're supporting the podcast you just heard. Saving money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.